The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Our good friends at Dell, uh, Dell Technologies, with a major focus on small businesses across America, across the globe. They've got a, an amazing focus on small businesses and great support of Startup Nation. And Megan Shadel from Dell will be on with us momentarily to talk about an interesting entrepreneur in his own right who's got a variety of projects he's pursuing in small business and entrepreneurship. And and also to talk a little bit about the Dell program. Let's start with that. Megan, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Hi, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be on and uh, always a huge fan of our partnership between Startup Nation and Dell Technologies. It's just been amazing to partner with the startups and entrepreneurs that come from your platform and just make sure that we're you know, fitting them with the best fit solutions and the cutting edge technology to keep them on, on edge and, and keep them you know, rolling and, and going in the right direction. So happy to be here and happy to talk about our great partnership. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, Megan, you guys are obviously great supporters of Startup Nation and we appreciate that. But I have to tell you, and you make a great product. I don't even need to say that at Dell. But what's really, what I think the difference is for me as our partnership has unfolded over the last several years and continues to grow, it's the spirit of Dell and the people behind the program that really is most striking to me because the authenticity, the genuine love and appreciation for small business and entrepreneurs out there, the desire and willingness to be helpful beyond selling product, it's amazing. I mean, you guys are, it's in your DNA. Now, Megan, we've got an interesting guest on today that uh, you want to introduce us to. How about if you do the honors? Let's bring on our guest, Megan. Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, we're, we're so excited to bring on, we have YJ Lin with us today, and he's actually a colleague of mine working at, at Dell Technologies, but he has some amazing business adventures that he you know, is uh, working on, and has, he's really an entrepreneur. So when we talk about exactly like what you said, Jeff, it is in, uh, it's ingrained in our team. It's ingrained at Dell Technologies. Michael Dell's you know, an entrepreneur himself. Right. That's how it got started, right. and, and YJ is really living it and breathing it himself, working at Dell Technologies, but having these side hustles turn small businesses um, on his end as well. So I'd love to bring YJ on and we'll get uh, get to talking. Let's do it. YJ, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. First, tell us about your role at Dell. Sure. So I've been with Dell for a little over three years. Uh, how I support the team right now is helping bring a lot of content and conversations on how Dell as a company and corporation has scaled to such a big Fortune 50 company and how we can bring some of that experience and those technologies and those solutions to startups that are looking to improve their processes and figure out how they can scale their own ventures as well. And so my role really is to help work with all these community leaders and figure out how we can better empower their startups and their small businesses that are trying to, well, take over the world. Yeah. YJ, we want to hear about your entrepreneurial endeavors. Before we get to that, I just can't help myself. I've got to use this as an opportunity to ask you guys, you know, more businesses than ever before in the history of our country over the last couple of quarters are being started at a pace, at a record pace, more than ever before. What are you guys seeing? How's the state of small business out there right now from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, on the front lines, we're seeing it from really start to finish. And that's where I think we, we really try to position ourselves, whether you are, you're at the idea phase, you're, you're thinking through, you're putting together that business plan, and you need the immediate technology solutions to even get started, we can assist with you there. Or let's say you are months or years down the line within your startup, and um, you're at a whole different level, and you're needing a whole new refresh of technology solutions, or you're needing that next, next cusp of technology solutions to kind of break through to that next level. 
level of your business. We can support you at all different kind of facets of this you know, business process and getting started. And that's what we've seen. You know, like you said, it, it's just during the pandemic, I think people were put in that position of, I really need to um, shift and pivot and be right. agile and and do this for myself and start something new. And that's where we're, we're getting to have these great, exciting conversations with entrepreneurs and startups every single day, uh, working within the small business department of Dell. So it's just been so exciting. And YJ, I'm sure you've seen some uh, some direct, you know, correspondence yourself. Absolutely. I mean, the beauty of entrepreneurship and why I'm so passionate about, you know, teaching people about how to start their own businesses or figuring out how we can support them along their journeys is that, um, you know, around during COVID is when everyone had to learn how to figure out how to change and work and be more efficient. And it's really about how can we empower people to be able to create a life that they want to live, how to feel like they're not working all the time by whether well, it's starting their own business by making their own hours, by doing the things that they enjoy doing and figuring out how to make money off of it. And so as a computer or technology company, you know, for us, you know, when we talk about digital transformation, we have a lot of different technology and tools that we can support people on. But the first conversation that we always start off with is, what do you need so that you can do your best work? And that's what you guys do so well. Many people think of Dell as a hardware company. You know, I need a laptop, you know, but, but you're so much more than that. You're really a great partner to small business, providing critical solutions from hardware to software and, and the amazing level of support that you guys provide to your small business customers. And by the way, for our Startup Nation radio loyal listeners, if you want the Dell advantage on your side, go to startupnation.com forward slash Dell to learn more. Now, we're going to run to a quick break when we come back. We're going to hear from YJ Lin about the various entrepreneurial endeavors, the side hustles that he's pursuing while pursuing an amazing career at Dell. Stick with us. Back with more on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Speaking with our good friends at Dell today, we've got Megan Shadle and we've got a colleague of Megan's at Dell, YJ Lin who himself has a great career at Dell, both of them focused on small business. And YJ, I, I just have to ask the question before we learn about specifically what businesses you personally are pursuing. What is it about entrepreneurship that inspires you? I feel like there's two aspects to this. One, I love learning about entrepreneurship because whenever I meet someone who feels like they don't have as much control as they like in their life, you know, the first question I ask them is like, well, what do you enjoy doing? And how can we weaponize that for the world? And then for myself, it's really whenever I'm trying to learn a new hobby, I'm very much ADD in that regards. There's nothing I find boring. But whenever I try to learn something new, whether it's from cooking, gardening, or whether it's learning how to dance salsa. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All right. For me, it was like, how do I get good enough? It's I like, love I that. Necessarily need uh, to be an expert. I love that. And you and you probably try to merge those interests and passions with how can I create a business out of this? You know, you take that one step yeah, further, right? Like, that's cool. With business, like how do I become good enough to the point where someone's willing to trade you value for it? Yeah. Right? So if I'm baking cookies, you know, I consider I, I did or I learned enough about this when someone's willing to pay me for, you know, <laughs> a dozen yep. chocolate chip shortbread cookies. Well, YJ, you know, I've heard from yourself, your insight into your, your small businesses and your side hustles turn into businesses, but I'd love for you to just go ahead and tell the audience today, you know, what is your, your first side business that you started and is that currently, you know, on your gamut or do you have a couple floating right now that you're working on? Sure. The very first business I started was 
really as a freelancer doing photography. And then from there, I think around sophomore year of college, I realized I had a lot of great designers or, or friends who are studying graphic design who did really good in professional work. And I figured, what if we all just banded together and started helping small businesses with anything marketing related? So from web design to creating banners to creating business cards and we'd charge them maybe $500 for a website. And for us, it was just to share in those resources because some of our hobbies are really expensive. You know, photography especially or uh, the licensing for Adobe to make sure that you have the tools you need to design these things. But it was a great business because a lot of us were students who were also looking for real life experience. And they also know how to do, you know, great work and just may take a little bit longer. And so I did that for a little bit. And then when I graduated, I was helping my little brother with his board game pieces business. So we had uh, manufacturers who were making these little board game accessories uh, in different colors for uh, replacement pieces. And then one day my little brother noticed that there was people selling plastic pieces of the ones that we were selling wooden pieces for. And so he inquired me about it. And long story short, now I have seven 3D printers in my garage. And <laughs> um, I make a bunch of different 3D prints and accessories for games such as Dungeons Dragons, which I've yet to play. We have a die cutting machine to make these little tokens. And just anything that, that you think of that you feel like 3D printing, uh, you can 3D print with those. Well, and that's amazing. And I, and I love, I want to go back to your first couple statements. I love that you said, you know, I looked at all my friends and we all had such great talents and we thought, why don't we band together and utilize these resources? I think that's just such a, a great call out for those who are, you know, maybe thinking of starting a business or looking to become an entrepreneur and, you know, look at your inner circle, look at your network and see who is talented and is a subject matter expert in one area that maybe you're missing out on and come together and really build each other up from there. I, I think that's such a great best practice. Oh, absolutely. There's one of my favorite books, and I had a, a mentor until I actually shared this with me, called Born to Build. And it's from Gallup. Uh, you know, they also do strengths finders. But Born to Build, there's an assessment that tells you that there's 10 different types of talents when it comes to starting business and how to focus on your top four or your strengths. But more importantly, it goes into the three different types of builders. There's a rainmaker, there's a conductor, there's an expert. And when I took this assessment, I realized it really doesn't make sense to start a business by yourself. The idea is that as, as a CEO, typically you're doing all three uh, aspects. Or you're wearing multiple hats. Yeah. But the rainmaker is someone who's focused on revenue as a metric. So yes, it could be the marketer, it could be the salesperson. But my little brother's a rainmaker. But I don't see him doing sales ever. But the reason why he's a rainmaker is because he's very financially savvy. Mm. He's the person who tells me, YJ, you said you want three more printers, but you aren't even utilizing four of them. Right, right. So right. You can have one and maybe later you can have more. The voice of reason in small business. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you can't just dream and have a vision and say, we can do this. We can sell more. you got to actually watch the metrics and see how your business is performing and see what additional market opportunities may or may not exist and, and be true to those. Correct. Making sure you don't lose money. So yes, it could be a salesperson, but it could also be the, the finance person. Ultimately, the rainmaker is someone who is focused on revenue as a metric. Now the conductor, this is really interesting. And this is where I am. Uh, I, I do a lot of conductor work. Um, and what conductor is, they're focused on growth metrics. 
And so bringing people together amidst the chaos, how do we organize so that our ship can stay afloat and that we can all work more efficiently with each other? Did you say chaos? <laughs> yeah. So like with, with the startup, there's so I, many I, moving oh heads. Oh my God. And it's like, messy. How do we yeah. organize? Yeah. 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 Okay. And then we have the expert. Correct. So the expert is someone who is very passionate about, about the product and solution. So this person is typically asking for customer's feedback or who's doing research and development. But this person is like, I want to make sure that the inks in which we we make these t-shirts, I want to do all the research on different types of inks or techniques it is to print t-shirts, right? So this is a person who is so focused on product and solution. And the whole idea is with this is that if you're doing all this yourself, it'll take you a very long time. If you have all the time in the world, then yes, go ahead and learn everything. But your customers aren't going to wait for you. Your competitors aren't going to wait for you. Corporations aren't going to wait for you. No one's going to wait for you. And the best way to do things in a time-efficient manner is to partner up with people. And YJ, you said that you don't believe that anyone can do all three of those things. I believe if you tried, then you'll be the person I met that spent 10 years working on this technology platform that is, by that time, it's very outdated. And YJ, I know, I know uh, you really enjoy working with your family as well. I know you've worked with your brother, as you said, and you uh, and you worked you worked with your mom in a business as well. I think my mom, as a special ed, as you know, uh, assistant in public school, she needed a lot of help when it came to learning how to use Zoom. So for her, it was trying to adapt to all this technology so that she can educate the kids. And so every time she calls me, I would talk about how I worked at Zoom, but. I think for our business, when COVID hit, we actually did pretty well since I think since everyone was staying at home, they wanted mm-hmm. board game pieces. Sure. But what was really interesting was uh, Etsy actually sent a note, and this is kind of on the topic of entrepreneurs. Etsy sent a note to all its sellers saying, hey, if you guys can make masks, even if they're homemade masks, uh, please do so. And my mom when she was a kid, she loved fashion design, so she knew how to sew. And first off, when my little brother asked me if we should start selling masks, I said, no, that's a dumb idea. Why would a boarding company sell masks? But he didn't <laughs> listen to me, which is good for him. And we sold over, my mom made and sold over 2,000 masks in three months. Wow. And she made more selling masks in those three months than her salary for a year. Well, and that's even more gratifying when you're working with your mom and your brother and family members. Uh, There's nothing better than that. So, Megan, thank you so much for being on. Thanks again for your support. And, And, YJ, great to connect with you and hear a little bit about your story. It's great stuff, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Again, remember, if you want to take advantage of what Dell has to offer, whether it be hardware, software, and the amazing support they provide, go to startupnation.com forward slash Dell to learn more. And uh, we've got another great entrepreneurial story to share with you on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got uh, another great guest talking about her entrepreneurial dream, a dream that she's living. She's made it happen. Alexis Wormley, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you on. You are part of a power couple. You, of course, are the star in the couple. Yes. Uh, And you've got a husband, Chris Wormley, who's a famous University of Michigan football player, now professional football player. 
and I love that you're doing your own thing. Tell us about your business. Tell us what it is. So I own a women's clothing company called Offbeat Native, and we serve women who work, chill, and travel. And we're all about everyday life driven by reality and just work, chill, and travel. That is our thing. I love that. Work, chill, and travel. And that kind of is how... I mean, that kind of covers life these days. We're chill and travel. Yeah. We love that we're getting back to the travel part of it. Why a clothing company? Um, I've always been into fashion. I've always been very creative, and I've always been one to express myself through my outfits, and that's kind of what I've, I've known for, honestly. <laughs> you love it. You're passionate about it. I love it. it. I'm passionate you know, about and it. And this is a mantra that we hear over and over and over again, a key hallmark of being an entrepreneur is you got to love what you're doing, right? Exactly. Because it's hard. It is. It's really hard. you got to love it. Mm-hmm. And in order to sell, you've got to love it. Exactly. You can't sell something you, you don't, don't like. believe in or love. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you are professionally trained. Too. I mean, you not only had a create, you, you're naturally creative, you yes. have a desire to be in this business, but tell us about your, you know, what you did to set yourself up to then have a business of your own in the fashion industry. Sure. So I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles, California to further my knowledge of the fashion world and how not necessarily to even run a business that came later on in my journey, but to trend forecast, to understand patterns and and fabrics and presentation. That was a huge thing. And I actually did have a class during my time at FITM that was comparable to Shark Tank, where we had to come up with a concept and present it to a panel of sharks. And that was actually really cool. And that, I guess, kind of jump-started my entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. journey as well. So there's various ways you can have a business in the fashion industry. You can have a label. You could be a designer. I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, right? That's one way. Mm-hmm. You can be a retailer. Mm-hmm. You can buy at wholesale, sell at retail, and you can have a shop on Main Street. You can, there's all kinds of ways to be in the fashion business. Your specific business model is what? My specific business model is um, I work with wholesale brands that are tailored to my own brand. So my brand is Offbeat Native is really an extension of me and my style. So I work with other wholesaler brands that are tailored to me. So I buy wholesale from them and then I retail it to my price and that's how it works. But I do plan to design my own garments very soon. Um, I do do some private labeling, but that is because I've participated in some of the, the production process. So you have unique offerings. I mean, it's, it's not yes. me too kind of offerings. It's not best price. Yes. It's really unique. You're making a fashion statement with the things you pick. Yes. And offer. Yes. And so people come to you because they like what it is that you offer. And they've known this about me. Mm-hmm. People that know me, they know that I am, I'm diehard. Like fashion is right. my passion. Right, <laughs> and, right. And I want to look like you. Yes. I mean, it helped me. That you're the shortcut to doing that because you've picked it out. Yes. Right? And Just it, as if you would wear it. Just as if I would wear it. And it really started off with a blog. I had a blog at first and I would put all my outfits and I would do like styling sessions on Instagram and post videos. And I would have a whole website dedicated to my outfits. And I just felt like there needed to be something bigger than that, something I could serve a bigger purpose. And that is when I really wanted to take off with my business and start selling things that were an extension of my style. And are you doing this in a storefront brick and mortar or online only? It's online only. Uh I do plan to, you know, have a warehouse one day or maybe have a storefront. That is definitely in the cards one day. 
but I'm just enjoying this online thing I have going on well, right and now. Well, at the moment, anyway, in the post, you know, during COVID, post-COVID era, online is where the action is. It really was. I honestly, it was a struggle during COVID because my supply chain was struggling. That's an and issue. That yeah. is a huge issue. But once, you know, we ironed through those kinks, it was smooth sailing from there because everyone was at home, everyone was online shopping, and, and it really turned out to be a really great thing. Do you have to, in order to make a sale, are you focused on, I mean, there's certain things that drive sales. Obviously, at the heart of it all is that they want to buy the clothing that you have picked out and that you're offering. That gives you a big leg up. But still, price is an issue, promotions you have to think about, selection, inventory, sizing, all these kinds of things. So many things. Uh, So many things to think about. What are the, first of all, do you guys do any discounting and promotions? Oh, yeah, we do. We do the occasional flash sale, Mm -hmm. um, which people love a good flash sale. And we do like holiday promotions and Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, and just anywhere we can throw in a promotion that feels good, we do. Do you have a staff helping you right now? Is it pretty much you? It's just me. <laughs> you, you and, and getting Chris's help in the in the off season, right? Yeah. yeah. He's still waiting for his check. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> keep, keep him hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, you're really doing this on your own. Yeah. Largely. Yes. So you are managing the website. You're posting what it is you have for sale on the website, right? Got to keep it fresh. Got to yeah. keep those new offerings going. You're buying yes. for your, your store. You got to yeah. buy the inventory, uh, pick it out and buy it. You have to ship it. Package it and ship it, yes, right? Everything. And then you got to manage returns and refunds if there are any, you know, and those kinds of things. It's a lot to handle. It's a lot. And were you prepared when you said, I'm going to go into business? What shocked you the most or what surprised you the most about, oh, my God, what's this? Pretty much everything you just said. So I think when people look at me and they think, oh, you have a business and, you know, you're running this clothing store, people automatically think that I have a, a team, a staff a full loaded staff. And that is not the case because when you start out like I did, you're alone. And I think that was the biggest thing that I had to overcome is realizing that I can't do everything myself, even though I want to. (laughs) And you want to do it all yourself because you want to control the quality. I am a control freak in that aspect. Control freak, right. I, I, no one's going to be as passionate. Most entrepreneurs are. (laughs) Yes. And no one's going to be as passionate about my business as I am. So trying to delegate and find those people or in my orbit that can help me, that's hard. And that's a really important point because it's one thing for you to have the idea. It's another thing for you to sell to a smaller, let's say pioneering base of customers Mm -hmm. because it's you, it's you, it's all you. But then when you have to hand it off to somebody else, you're putting the business, the fate of the business in the hands of people you hire to do that work. And it's only as good as the job they do. And that's a scary thing. That's hard for entrepreneurs to go there. It's a trust issue thing. It's a trust issue, confidence issue, right? Yeah. And and it's also, it changes your role from visionary and from chief everything mm-hmm. to a manager. Yeah. And that's a different role. That's so, a very different world as being point. an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when things change. I, I think a, a lot of people get out of business at that point and say, I'm going to let someone else run it. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say that because there have been times when I wanted to quit and there have been times when I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. I need help. I don't know how to ask for it. And it's almost like there's this weird stigma with asking for help. Like, oh, you can't handle it. It's too much. Things like that. But once you start, I just started asking for help recently and 
there's this one thing I needed help with, and I've totally, like, let this person take the reins on it, and a weight has lifted off my shoulders mm. completely. Like, I feel so much better about what I am able to do. Like, I know what I'm good at, and I know what I can do, so I'm going to let someone else do something that I can't. Yeah, the de- you have to be able to delegate. Yes. You have to, if your business is going to grow, you have to be able to delegate. And it all it, it comes down to picking, knowing what needs to be done, knowing what others do better than you, Mm-hmm. knowing who to pick to do that job, you know, mm-hmm. and having confidence in them, knowing exactly what you want and how to measure the results of what you want. So, you know, and they know what success is, what the expectations are, yes. what you're expecting and so on, all of that. And, and again, that's where management uh, skill yes. kind of comes into play. And, and I'm learning. I'm still learning. It's everything is trial and error. Everything's trial. Of course, you're pioneering every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some things you can look at other businesses in your category and you can learn from them. But it's still pioneering every day. You've got to beat the competition. You've got to get ahead. You've got to keep the money coming in the door. You've got yes. to pay your bills, you yes. know, and all that kind of stuff without having to go to Chris. Yes. Uh, right? <laughs> right? You don't have to make that ask. So, good. So, look, if you're out there listening, here's an example of a business that is successful by your measure, and that's the most important thing. You know, you love your business, right? Yes, correct. And you love the lifestyle that goes along with it. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Now, others out there wanting to have that same thing, live that same dream. Let's maybe drill down on some of the specifics on how you create a business like that so that they can learn from you on both what worked and didn't. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, can I hold you to that promise? Yes. Okay, right on. After this break on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Talking to Alexis Wormley, you're a winner. You got your business going. You're doing what you love. You're living the dream. Successful business. But it's not all, you know, it's not all strawberries and cream. I mean, <laughs> man, there's days, like you said, there are days you want to quit. Yeah. It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it's hard. But you got to, the key thing is this, in order to have a shot at success, you got to set the business up the right way. What were some of the initial key things you did looking back on it that you said, thank God I set that up right or I did this, I did that. What were some of those things that we can share with our audience? I think first and foremost, if you have a vision and you have this thought of starting a business, you need to come up with some type of plan, some type of model that you can go back and refer to. Like I did all mine on the computer. So I basically took that class that I mentioned I took at FITM and I applied that same thing to my real life, my business. And Having a vision board and something that you can go back to, I think, is very critical. And also having good people in your corner that you can go to and ask for help or just kind of go to if you need, like, help with books and and things like that, like operational things. Did you find, you talk about the importance of a vision board, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because there are times, you know, we run an incubator here and we're developing new businesses. And there are times that you get so caught up in the minutia, all the grind, all the stuff you got to do. There are times you can ask yourself, wait, what am I doing here? Oh my God. Where am I going with this? What's this all about? Right? That is a constant thing oh for God. me. I'm constantly asking myself, like, what am I even yeah, doing? Exactly. Right. Is this what I originally had planned? Signed I up need, for it. Yeah. I need to go back to my plan, my business plan, and look at my vision board, look at all the pictures, all the notes I write down, and go back to that. Yeah. What grounded this whole yeah. idea? At some point along my entrepreneurial path, I was struggling with a given business. Well, I don't even remember what it was. doesn't matter. But I remember I was just at that point where I was feeling lost. Like, you know, where am I going with this? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. All of those questions that entrepreneurs commonly ask themselves. You've been there. And I remember I had a mentor who said to me, you know what you need to do? Take a deep breath. Take a step back. Take some time off a couple of days. 
figure out why you did this business, what compelled you to throw yourself at this and fall in love with your business all over again. Yes. And I did that. And I remember the magic of just reconnecting with the original vision and why I wanted to do this. And I thought, this really is cool. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it all over again. And it really was great advice. That's important, isn't it? And you can do that as many times as, as you need. As many times as you need to. And there, there will be times. There will be times. There will be times. No so, doubt. So in setting your business up, there's the kind of the fun front end. You got the cool website design stuff going on. You're picking out clothing, which is what you love. Mm -hmm. I know, right? You love that. Mm -hmm. Of course. Ultimately, you're going to be designing clothing. But mm -hmm. there's also the unsexy parts of the business. You got to keep financial records somehow. You mm -hmm. got to keep track of your sales, your bills, your payments, your yes. accounts payable, yes. all that kind of stuff, how the business is performing. How did you attack that, address that in your business? So when we moved to Baltimore, I met a girl that I worked with and her mom actually is, has been doing books and accounting for 30 plus years. So she kind of got me connected with her. See, it, it's all a connection. You know, you meet people who know people and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we kept in touch. She connected me with her mom and she's been doing my books. And we just kind of recently started to work together a little bit more. But she's going to be tailoring kind of my needs for my business. We're going to be going over like what I need to know specifically each month to strive for better goals. And that's another issue that I have, like where prioritizing my spending. Like, where am I going to spend the money? Am I going to do influencer outreach? Am I going to do paid ads? Or, you know, where where is my money going? Where should it go? That's going to set my business up for success. And that's the next thing I want to talk about before we get to marketing and how you get the word out and create awareness yes. and leads and sales and all that. You know, it's one thing to keep a set of financial records, but you mentioned another important point I want to underscore and highlight for the audience. When that becomes really powerful is when you use that information for strategic decision-making. It's one thing to just say, how am I doing? Okay, here's how you're doing. But if you maybe did this a little differently and, you know, uh, just if you paid on 60 days instead of 30 days, if you did, you know, it changes those little things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you do need someone mm -hmm. who can do what this woman is doing for mm -hmm. you by saying, hey, once a month, Let's not just report on the financials. Let's talk about what we might be able to tweak here yes. or there to make the business perform better for you. Yes, exactly. I think that is so important. I mean, we're looking at the the months and and what where we can cut back or maybe you can spend a little more here or maybe you can use your points, you there know, you go. go take a trip and, and go get some clothing in to the store. There you go. So which I am very much looking forward to. I've been dying to go to the fashion district in L.A. and, and really just start my design process and getting in some new inventory for the upcoming season. For you, I've got to imagine that's the <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> yes. That is that is a, the classic kid in a candy store. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. That is my, that is my element. So. Okay. So I have to ask you, and I ask this of a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, here you are. Let's kind of say it like it is. You have been privileged to marry into a circumstance where, you know, you don't have to work, do you? No. You don't have to work. You work because you um, love what you're doing. I mean, you you love this. You want to work because, because why? I want to work because I'm a woman who can work. Okay. And, you know, women couldn't do that at one point. And um, I think it's important to have your own identity and be an individual. And I worked pretty damn hard to get where I am today as far as schooling and educating myself and just wanting better for myself and also setting an example for my daughter. See, I think that's amazing. I mean, some people candidly have to work. 
some people who can't get a job have to think about starting a business. And there's lots of reasons why to start a business. That could be one of them. You have to. But then there's people who choose to start a business because it's a matter of self. It's, it's self-fulfilling. You know, it is it's self-validating. It's, uh, it gives you a sense of identity and a sense of pride and a sense mm-hmm. of personal expression and sense of self just generally. Right? Exactly. I mean, that's that's important. That's a strong point. I worked nine to fives and I basically stopped that to work 24 seven, essentially. (laughs) It's like people like don't want to work nine to fives and then they want to start their own business. And then they, you know, quickly realize that they're technically working all the time. Right. But it's free. It gives you that freedom. Right. You're working towards something. Yeah. Now, the other thing about you having a job is that, frankly, professional athletes aren't professional athletes forever. That income doesn't come in forever. And I'm sure Chris being not only a great athlete, but having a chance to talk to him being the intelligent, capable guy he is in, in other aspects of life and probably maybe one day will own a business of his own. But in the meantime, you've got this business growing for your family. And maybe that's a big part of the future. Maybe the tables turn. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely see that happening. You see that happening. <laughs> I do. I, I really do. <laughs> I love that. I really love that. And so how is it with, um, you know, here you are, one could say you could easily be overshadowed by the presence of your husband being yeah. who he is in life and, and all the rest. But you, you're, you're strong. Mm-hmm. You're strong. You've got your own personal vision. And it, well, how's the dynamic between you and Chris with you having your own business? I, I, I know just by seeing the two of you, he's supportive. Oh, he's so supportive. I mean, he I think he really takes pride in in, in being like the he calls himself like the operational operations guy. <laughs> like he he's really great at it. And I, I do think he enjoys it. And he knows that I can stand on, you know, stand alone and. I, I don't need him at times, and I kind of just am able to yeah. to run everything. But he is 100% so supportive, and we kind of take the off-season to focus on my business. And mm-hmm. then, you know, when he's in football season, that's kind of my attention is really towards him in the season. But I also focus on my business as well, but it, it really is like a balancing act. Are there moments where Chris speaks up and says, Honey, why did you pick that I would have gone with blue instead of red? <laughs> You got to shut him down at that point, right? <laughs> I mean, he can't cross that line. He's got to stay in his lane, stay in his department, right? That's so funny you asked that because um, we just did uh, the Ann Arbor Art Fair this past weekend, and it's one of the largest fairs in the country. It averages like 500,000 guests that show up. And he looked at one of the things that I had on a rack, and he was like, you know, I love mostly everything you pick out, but this <laughs> is just, that's like really ugly. <laughs> And, and what what was your reaction? I to was that? like, yeah. I was just stunned. I was like, "Are you serious?" And then I had to like pull up the picture of like the model wearing it. And I'm like, "Didn't you see my vision here?" And he was right. like, "Okay, maybe it looks a little bit better, but sit on the hanger, no." Like I said, keep him in his department. Yeah, I'm so like, look, you stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your lane, exactly. Offbeat Native is your company. How do people find you? So when I was running my blog and before I started the company, I had an Instagram handle and it was like Lex Lately and I was posting all my outfits on there. And Chris, my husband, actually had the idea to turn that into my business page because I already had the following. So that's what I did. And people stuck around and then I had new people come and I did, I mean, just word of mouth, supportive people sharing my page. And Is there a web address, website address? Yeah, it's shopoffbeatnative.com. Shopoffbeatnative.com. Yes. Cool. I want to, I, I made a promise during this segment that we talk a little bit about awareness. You've got a few seconds left. Unfortunately, we could go on for a, a long time. You've got a great story. What are some of the key things you rely on to get the word? Is it social media? Social media. Social media, 100%. Social media, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're just, I'm still trying to work on TikTok. 
<laughs> but, you know, you have to like evolve and like adapt with all the plat- new platforms coming out. So that's kind of been a struggle. But um, a lot of our sales are driven from Instagram and Facebook. There you go. So, I mean, and like the website itself. So many small businesses depend on social media these days. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's a, it is a major factor. Yeah. In being able to be a success in the small business category and ultimately one day be a big business. And speaking of that, give us your vision. Where does this, where's all this going? So I hope to have a storefront one day. I hope to get on other platforms like Like to Know It and just other shoppable platforms that people go on and even, you know, the ones that are upcoming. But ultimately, I think I'd want to have a storefront someday that is like the ultimate dream and and create kind of pass down this legacy to my kids and, you know, Spade, my daughter, can help. And I just really want it to stick around for a long time. And I plan to do everything to do that. Well, one day when you and your husband and beautiful little girl, my God, uh, who you brought to the studio, are walking down the street or walking down the sidewalk one day, people are going to say, you know who that is? That's the Wormley couple. That is Alexis Wormley there. Do you see that? I do see that. And and that's... (laughs) And oh, by the way, her husband's Chris. He's a football player, right? That's (laughs) the way it's going to be. We love that. Hey, you're doing great. Congratulations on your success. And uh, we know there's more to come. We appreciate you being on Startup Nation Radio and sharing your story with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. Right now, we'll be back with more on Startup Nation Radio next week. Between now and then, now you go out there and start it up. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.